breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Uh, Cattle Parish School Superintendent Dr. Lamar Gorey joining us. I am very confused about this pay raise mess. Um, with state lawmakers on the House side deciding to, instead of putting a pay raise in the budget for teachers, they're going to pay down the retirement debt and then send that savings on to you. I guess a, in 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 a pile of money. And then you're going to pass the pay raise on. What is the flaw in in how they're handling this? Is there? Well, what I, well, initially when you said you're confused, I wanted to say get in line. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but I figured since I work here, I won't say that. Uh, there is some absolute confusion with with this option. Uh, you know, the concern mainly being that what's the timeline on when you would actually see the revenue to be able to actually put it into the hands of our very deserving employees? Uh, that's one of the biggest questions. But you know, we have also had a very aggressive plan in place to pay off uh, or to pay to that unfunded, uh, that those accrued debts as it relates to retirement. But this would certainly be a change in that plan. So my, my, my hopes is that we do, uh, the Senate will reinstate and the House will approve uh, the teacher pay raises as presented so that we can get that in the hands of our employees as quick as possible. But the the House version, and help me with this, please, because there's teachers listening that are about to wrap up their school year. The House plan doesn't mandate you pass that money on as raises, does it? Well, it does not mandate that, but, uh, you know, being realistic, as much as they're pushing that narrative, it would be challenging for a board not to do that. Uh, and, and I certainly think our board would struggle with not doing that if that's the purpose of the dollars. But let me explain something just for the public, and I'll explain this at a 400-foot level. There's like a fee that we incur every month that pays toward the retirement and future retirement of people that work in school systems. Now, there's a plan in place to where we've done increased payments for several, several years uh, to, so that we do make sure that that debt is manageable. But what the, what, they're, what the House is asking for is to increase that payment and ultimately pay that pay that debt down quicker. So And then those are less dollars that would come out of our pocket that we could give back to teachers. question is, when do you see the actual money? Right. If you want to give them a raise now, this year, this fall, you're not going to have that money available yet. Right. And we really, uh, you know, with the things that we're seeing with teacher shortages, uh, the things that we're seeing just with cost of living, uh, the things that we're seeing with the just, just what our teachers and employees deserve, we hope we get this money uh, now so that we can give it to teachers now. Okay. The, there's been some talk about a $2,000 raise, a $3,000 raise. Uh, the, the more, the merrier, right? 
you know, I, I do understand the need to be responsible physically, but, you know, so sure, the more the merrier, but I, I have no problem with that being a $2,000, you know, bonus if that is what is in the physical best interest of our community. Uh, I would question anything less than that because I know uh, we all know the size of the surplus, and we certainly do need to uh, devote a, 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 a fair part of that to equipping our children with those skills that I've described uh, for kids as they leave our school system. Talking with Dr. Lamar Gorey, Cattle Parish School Superintendent. Dr. Gorey, I apologize we didn't uh, talk with you beforehand about this, but uh, let me ask you about the legislation in front of uh, Louisiana right now about holding back third graders if they don't pass the grade reading level. Um, how do you feel about that? You know, Louisiana, I should say, has tried that before, and it was a colossal failure. I do think that the, the systems need to build in processes of intervention and make sure that we're providing students with those necessary interventions for them to recapture or to gain those skills that they need. That does not mean you have to stay in a classroom uh, with children that are younger than you. I do believe it's going to create an overage problem where we're going to have overage students uh, being students overage in different grade levels. And ultimately, I feel, you know, frankly, it's going to affect schools of poverty more if you look at uh, the, the literacy rates. And I do believe in a system as, in an urban system like Cattle Parish, we certainly have interventions in place in all our schools to help students to be successful at the grade level that they should be. Are so you, I, are, not are, are you actively talking to lawmakers and, and asking them to vote against this proposal? Well, that depends on what active looks like, Aaron. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I've made my, you know, my feelings known about that, uh, but you know, I, I'm not down there every day lobbying. If that's, if that's, but you're if calling them. You're you're calling them and saying you think it's a bad bill. Correct. Yes. Okay. I don't find but that but if students can't perform at the level, why should they be progressed forward? You're just setting them up to to fall further behind. It seems. Right. If you look at the research around retention, it does not support your comment uh, in the respect that keeping them there doesn't necessarily mean they're going to perform at that grade level either. However, what you do is I really I believe every child has a fundamental right to be taught at their age appropriate grade level. Now, what do you do to support that even when they're struggling uh, at their grade level is where you make the difference. And that's the intervention part that school systems have to build into our school days, into our after school programs, into our high-dose tutoring programs, what are those things that we're doing to bring kids up? Children will perform at the level that you push them to, and with high expectations and high-quality instruction, they will. They can come up without being left in the same third-grade class that they were not successful in last year. You brought up a great point, and this was part of the debate the other day, if you watched it. There were some lawmakers who said, we're blaming the child maybe we should blame the teacher and you talked to you just now said high quality uh, leadership and education is this partially a teacher issue i know that's hard for you to say as the superintendent but could that be part of the problem in some schools you know, what I think we have to do is all on our parts. I think we have to look at high-quality parenting. I think we look at high-quality teaching. I think we have to look at high-quality resources. I think we have to look at high-quality leadership. I think if everyone owns a part of this and not look at it, look at it from the perspective of fault, we will build for children quicker that way. So I think...
1017 FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. All morning, I was trying to get to work. Mm-hmm. All morning. I woke up apparently at 6, about 6.30, 6.40, and was in the you house. You said you woke up at 6.30? Yeah, about 6.40. And no, it's not 6.40 yet. Would you hush? <coughs> You and, lost my, me. and my daughter and my daughter's there, oh. and we're sitting here talking. And I went, "Wait, what day is this? Crap! I'm supposed to be at work." Oh God! Then I can't get to work. I can't get. Then there's something else that comes up. Oh no! But, um, I'm You're in a freaking. parking garage. <gasps> Why I'm in a parking garage? I have no idea. Mm. Aaron, it was the weirdest dream. I couldn't get here. Wow. It was 8.30. It was like 8.30, 8.40. And I couldn't even turn on the radio to listen to what you were doing. <laughs> so we were bashing you. Oh, so Wow. <laughs> what a panic. Yeah. A little stress. Oh, man. A little stress. Golly. I, um... And then I, I the car, there's something about filled with water. It seems like it was filled with water. Um, couldn't get, I, I don't know. It was mm-hmm. so bizarre. Let me take, we, we have a uh, Dew Thompson joining us at 640. We're going to talk about the uh, acquittal of the three police officers. So let me give you a recreation of my phone call yesterday. One of my phone calls, you know, I talked to a lot of people during the day, but my phone, after I left here, I, I heard rumors of, you know, from the political world. And yesterday my phone started really popping about these late, these latest rumors that Steve Prater was going to have a formidable opponent. Oh, yes. And I started texting people that I knew would, would know. Um, people started texting me. And so, you know, I decided I'm going to call the person who is the mm. subject of this all these rumors. Mm-hmm. And so I called him and I said, and I'm talking today about, if you haven't heard the rumors, there is a lot of discussion that Henry Whitehorn is going to challenge Steve Prater to become sheriff of Caddo Parish. If you're just waking up and you're hearing that, whoa, whoa, what did she just say? Yeah. Um, it looks like pretty good evidence out there that Henry Whitehorn is going to run for sheriff of Caddo Parish. Now, um, lots of people had told me about it. Lots of people had said, yeah, it looks like he's in. He's former head of state police, former Shreveport police chief. Mm-hmm. He was uh, most recently Adrian Perkins CAO. I don't know that I would put that up top of my resume yeah i would but um i mean if you want to be sheriff you want your law enforcement experience to stand out so i said i mean i have a long relationship with henry whitehorn not close but you know we we have each other's cell phone numbers i think it is maybe it's changed today i don't know but i called him yesterday directly i said let me go to the horse's mouth let's see what he says and he said hello aaron and i said uh chief i've always called him chief i said um i'm hearing that you're running for sheriff What can you tell me about that? And here's what he said. And I'm almost a direct quote. He said, well, I'm right in the middle of something. Can I call you back? Not a, no, that's not true. No, nah, maybe, no. I'm right in the middle of something. Can I call you back? And I'm waiting for him to call me back. Oh, still. Has not called me back yet. But fast, fast forward a few hours. Last night, my phone starts blowing up. You heard what was just said at a fundraiser. Have you heard the news? 
And I went, mm, A fundraiser already. Do, do tell. Now, it wasn't for him. Oh, it wasn't. It was oh. a fundraiser for Caddo DA James Stewart. At the fundraiser for DA James Stewart, Henry Whitehorn was introduced, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the next sheriff of Caddo Parish, Henry Whitehorn. And the crowd, I don't know, I don't know how big a crowd was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if that doesn't confirm Henry Whitehorn's gonna run against Steve Prater, I don't know what does. But again, Henry Whitehorn told me he'd call me back. Uh, hang on, let me check to see if he's calling. No, I haven't called yet. I'm waiting. He might call me today. But I heard from several people who were in that room. Yes, he was introduced at the James Stewart fundraiser as the next sheriff of Caddo Parish. Very interesting. Political world's going to get really hot this year. Supposed to formally announce in July. That's what I'm told. But I'll call him again today. I'm, you know, he knows I'm gonna bug him every day till he tells me no comment, or I'll lay, I'll, I'll let you know as soon as I, you know. Right. He knows I'll call him every day. So, I mean, they all do. That you know, she's gonna bother me till I say something. So whatever. <sighs> but he's not going to officially announce until July. Th- th- he shouldn't have let what happened yesterday. I was going to say then. Then he why? He should have put a right. kibosh in that. But. uh that it happened cats out of the bag it looks like he's in the race it will it will really change the dynamics in that race cuz typically Steve Prater gets a walk you know he'll have a couple of um, minor opponents right henry whitehorn ain't a minor opponent oh no, this will be a race this will be a race this, in a dog uh, yeah, fight absolutely yeah. and two old dogs but they're both scrappy did i just call them old <laughs> i'm sorry i don't i'm old too <laughs> Yeah. Edit that out, Ruben, please. <laughs> Ouch. Coming up at 640, uh, Shreveport attorney Dew Thompson going to be joining us about the uh, decision on the Shreveport officers being found not guilty. Coming up, Mikey McCarty, 101. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, and coming up uh, just after the break, Shreveport Attorney Dew Thompson going to be joining us talking about the officers, uh, Shreveport police officers, not guilty. Uh, that's next, Mike and McCarty. One hundred one seven. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. You might remember uh, three Shreveport uh, police officers. Actually, technically, they're former Shreveport police officers mm-hmm. accused of using excessive force. Um, William Eisenhower, DeAndre Jackson, and Travion Brooks uh, accused of violating the civil rights of Chico Bell and Damon Robinson. This was during a traffic stop back in twenty twenty. Uh, they were indicted by a federal grand jury a year later, uh, but the DA decided not to pursue state charges. On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Dew Thompson is joining us. Dew, good morning, sir. Thanks for uh, getting up early for us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. The uh, federal 
a, jur- a federal court decided to find them it was a jury i assume not guilty yes, of um violating the civil rights of excessive force what was the actual charge they were facing in federal courts the actual charge they were facing was de- uh, deprivation of civil rights and it's a federal felony statute and it's basically saying that they willfully uh, deprive the suspect of their constitutional rights by using excessive force against them during their arrest. Do I've seen the the video of the? Uh, probably I'm going to tell you I've probably seen parts of it. You're going to tell me I'm absolutely right. I see the officers rush up to the passenger side of the vehicle and start swinging, start hitting, in punching into the window. Um. That, to me, just as a layperson, didn't seem justified. Explain to me why that was done. Absolutely. And, uh, look, any use of force video, even if it's justified, always looks bad to a layperson. And so that's where our jobs come in to actually explain punch by punch and factor by factor on why the officer did what they did. And you got to remember that leading up to this stop and when the officer encounters the passenger, these individuals led them on a 10-minute high-speed chase through residential uh, neighborhoods, driving in speeds in excess of 90 miles an hour. They're throwing drugs out the window. And any time officers see drugs in that type of quantity, they reasonably infer, that, and they're taught that weapons may be associated with this type of narcotics activity. So why run up to the window and start punching? You follow me? Well, Well, at the time that they did the traffic stop, there was a civilian vehicle right in front of Chico Bell's vehicle. So that presents an extreme danger to that civilian who was a mother and a small child. Mm-hmm. And when my client, who's the uh, officer running up to the passenger window, runs up, even though uh, Robinson had his hands out the window, once the female officer in the video tries to grab his wrist, he pulls back from her. And then my client, when he pulled from his wrist, pulls back onto him. Okay. That teaches an officer in a split second that that suspect could be reaching back into his vehicle to grab a gun, and officers can be shot and killed in a split second. And my my officer, again, who had to make a split-second decision, started implementing those strikes, which they're taught to do that at the academy. So everything he did was consistent with his training. And so while it may look bad on the video, he's trying to uh, – do that individual uh, with pain compliance strikes into having him keep his hands back up. And so one thing that people have to remember that with those videos, those do not show the perception of the officer. Mm-hmm. Those videos can never capture a suspect pulling his arms back in or if the officer grabs his wrist, feeling the tenseness or rigidness in his arm when he's pulling back. Those are the things that the officers see and they have to make that split second decision. We're talking with Dew Thompson, Shreveport attorney. Uh, Dew, as someone who has been involved in high-speed chases like that, I can tell you the, you know, at that point, especially 10 minutes is a long time to be driving at a high rate of speed. Your adrenaline dumps and you, you've got to make decisions. And like you say, the officers policing as a general rule isn't pretty. Uh, a lot of suspects don't respond if you're polite and you know kind if 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 that makes any sense they they don't respond to that 
they don't they don't respect that. You have to you have to get to their level before you can control a situation. That, that's correct. And look, there's so many videos out there that show uh, suspects that lure police to the vehicle with their hands out, and then as soon as the police get there, in one last act of depra- de- uh, desperation, they shoot the officers. So the officers always have to be aware of that. And so with everything that led up to the chase, with the drugs being thrown out, there were times where they almost bailed out of the vehicle. And even with the stop itself, the brake lights were still on, which showed the vehicle was still running. So the officers uh, could reasonably infer that these guys, while they had their hands out, and that's one level of starting to submit, it's not 100% total compliance yet because, once again, those factors of being shot or taken off are still present. Well, there's no such thing as a routine traffic stop. Yeah, officers are yes, trained. there is. If it's me, it's a routine traffic stop. Come on. Aaron. If it's if you pull me over. An officer does not know what is in that now, vehicle. That, that situation is not. I get that. But, yeah, there are but a lot of But there's no them. such thing as a routine okay. traffic stop. Right, I disagree. But. When an officer is approaching a vehicle. Yeah. I, I'm, have you ever done it? Never done it, but I've never had a problem. Anyway, do let me ask you these office these officers. No, I'm not saying every traffic stop goes bad. Right. I'm saying you have to approach that with utmost caution and respect. I got you. I understand that, well, your point. Let me ask uh, you th- th- these officers. Are they going to ask for their job back? Well, uh, my my client. Which is one is your client? client? It's Travion Brooks. Okay. And a lifelong resident of Shreveport. He's born and raised here. He went to uh, Booker City High School. And he, since he was little, he's always wanted to serve the community as a police officer. And he has indicated to me that he does want his job back. He wants to protect and serve. That's all he's wanted to do. So I'm hoping that the administration will consider hiring him back. Will he have to go to the Civil Service Board, or, or can the chief just make that decision? Uh, it's my appreciation the chief can just make that decision. And he's due his back pay, everything, you know, as if he's been on the force the whole time? I think he's going to seek those remedies. Okay. Will there be That's any other charges clear. they could face? Do you, do you, do you, as you understand it, the DA is not planning to come back and take another look at this case? It, it's my appreciation. You know, once the state charges were dismissed, that was a deferment to the federal court and the federal prosecution now that they've been acquitted in federal court. I think that's a declaration across the board that they did nothing wrong. They were cleared by internal affairs. The DA's office has dismissed the charges, and now a federal jury has basically said they didn't do anything wrong. So I'm hoping this is the end of it. And your message to citizens in Shreveport who are still upset about it, who still think police are getting away with uh, something they shouldn't have done, what is your message to that to that element in our community? Well, again, you know, I I think the whole community has to remember that these officers are out there protecting us when we sleep at night. They protect our property. They protect our person. And they're the only line of defense between good citizens and uh, violent criminals out there in the community. And to that effect, they do a tough job and they put their life on the line every night they go out on patrol. So. While I'm so happy for Travion and this is his verdict, uh, it's also a verdict in support of the Shreveport Police Department. It's a verdict that says we support you. And I think that's that's what the community needs to understand, that 
once again, some of these videos, while they look bad, any use of force video, even if it's justified, will look bad. But if people can analyze and look and see what led up to the incident and why the officers did what they did, I think everybody in the community would come to the same conclusion that these reasonable jurors came to, that these officers' uh, methods were consistent with their training in a highly charged and dangerous atmosphere. Gotcha. Dew Thompson, local attorney. Thanks for your time, sir. Thank you so much for having me. It's Mm -hmm. always a pleasure. You bet. Have a great weekend. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. Coming up, by the way, after the local news top of the hour, Jeff Landry, uh Louisiana Attorney General and candidate for governor, going to be joining us in studio. Mm-hmm. Yesterday we we had an an, an impromptu com- conversation about uh chocolate milk and nutrition in schools. Yes. And they're actually talking about banning chocolate milk in in schools the usda the feds the feds mm-hmm. aaron i can tell you i drank chocolate milk growing up it's all i would drink if i had to have milk if well i love milk anyway I but i did milk. like the chocolate milk um growing up i didn't get i didn't get like this mm-hmm. until after i got married it wasn't the chocolate milk that did it we had a we had a uh, monkey do on uh, shreveport security systems message board says and because uh, greg adams came in studio with us mm-hmm. uh talking about this briefly yesterday morning and he says greg chocolate milk isn't causing or contributing to the health crisis among children or any age group for that matter Lack of proper parenting and laziness mm-hmm. is at the core. Yeah. Active, healthy, exercising children aren't going to get fat by drinking chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. You know what? He's yep. absolutely right. I can tell you because I was one of those kids. I, I had a, a friend whose grandson came over to visit them and had been, had been, his parents are divorced and had been at his dad's all day. And the child got home like at eight or nine at night, and the grandparents said, "What'd you have today to eat? What'd you eat today?" And he said, "Some chips and ice cream." Wait, wait, you were you were over there all day. You ate chips and ice cream. Yeah, you didn't have any lunch or didn't know. Parents are sometimes they're lazy. Yeah, and it's incomprehensible that you that you would. You know, not pay attention to getting your kid healthy meals. Well, I, I I've been around you know parents and they and the kids eating mac and cheese, uh-huh. and that's it. I was like, well, does he need vegetables? You know, mm-hmm. no, that's all he'll eat. Uh, I'm like, no, 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 no. That's all you're giving him. He eats what you put in front of him. If, if he doesn't eat, go to bed hungry. How many? T- yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if you put That's food down for the eat. dog and the dog looked at you like, uh-uh, I don't want this. Are you going to go change out the meal for the dog? I'm not comparing the children to the dog, but who, <laughs> who runs the house? Right, right. Who are the kids? For crying out loud, remember, you got to run your house. Where did I just read about a cat that the, the dog was eating the cat's food, so they put the cat's food bowl up on the dryer. Mm-hmm. 
Well, the cat would sit there and meow, meow. So they had to lift the cat up, and then when it would eat, <laughs> and then it would meow, meow, and then they'd lift it back down. Oh, my gosh. The guy said he came home from work one day, and the cat was up on the roof. <gasps> and oh, he goes, no. Okay, you can do that, but you can't jump up on the dryer? Yeah. <laughs> Heck with you. If you want to eat, you can jump up uh, on the dryer. Somebody else is running that house. Exactly. Oh, man. Oh, he'll eat his macaroni and cheese. you got to be no. in charge of that house. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, it's sad. So, it, chocolate milk is not contributing to the no. obesity factor of, of our children. If all you gave me was regular milk for my school lunch every day, it would be going in the trash. I'd throw it away. I would never drink it as a kid. Yeah. I was not a milk drinker. Hated it. Were there chocolate other milk? options? No. There we, really no. weren't, were there? We were milk and chocolate milk. That right. was all we had. That's all I can remember. And I we didn't have chocolate milk in the early days. We didn't get right. chocolate milk till I got I to public I remember when that was yeah. that. It was like, oh my gosh, we can get chocolate milk. I know. And I think deal. it was a nickel for another one you get mm -hmm. two. I always had two. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, Getting rid of chocolate milk. Sad. It's sad. <laughs> Not a done deal yet. I'm hoping we can and, stop it. And when and Aaron, we've talked about this before. When you look at school lunches today, mm -hmm. and and the nutritional value, I know they say, well, these these provide the nutrients needed. Uh, no. That's not what we had. No, I don't think chocolate milk is the problem. Yeah. Jeff Landry is uh, going to be joining us in studio coming up just after the local news. Mike and McCarty, one hundred one seven FM seven. One zero one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio with Louisiana Attorney General and candidate for governor Jeff Landry. Good morning, sir. Good morning. I know you're making the rounds. <laughs> Thanks for taking time to uh, come in and talk with us this morning. Oh yeah, I get to see y'all like, mm -hmm, right, right in studio. That's awesome. I love being in studio. What brings you to Shreveport? What are you here for? Oh, man, what you mean? Like, uh, people ask me that. Like, Shreveport's not part of Louisiana. Oh, you have a special event? <laughs> sometimes sometimes we feel that way. I know. I I know. Look, I've come up to Shreveport a bunch of times, come up to North Louisiana a lot. And, I mean, look, it's nice. There's sound fresh like up right, here. You, you know. sound like you fit right in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the one thing I don't. Somebody said, where are you from? <laughs> I said Blanchard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that's not it. Uh you you are running for governor. You're considered the front runner. Um you've been talking a lot about crime. You have a new commercial that has come out that is now pointing the finger at everybody. Uh including our DA, uh police, uh, the criminals, the court system, everybody is going to play a part. How how is the governor going to hold everybody responsible that's what your ad says yeah well what it says is is that um we want and that that ad was part of a press conference that we had down in new orleans where there were a number a number of victims families that had come down to join us many people from shreveport traveled all the way down in new orleans uh, to get behind this piece of legislation that will allow the public to actually see what's going on inside the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. Because over the decades, our criminal justice system has become less rather than more transparent. And so it's difficult for both the public and <clears throat> victims to be able to see what's going on with their cases. 
And what I said was is that that piece of by being able to look in there, we will be able to see what the problem is and who is not doing their job. And when we can pinpoint who's not doing their job, we will hold them accountable and we'll do it if we have to change the law. Because we absolutely let me, let me tell you something. You, I remember being on this show many, many times during that time when the big woke movement, the social justice warriors mm-hmm. um well, coming through Louisiana, and, and and then we had this big bipartisan wave, uh, you know, that said, we need to let everybody out of our prisons. And, you know, there were very few people. In fact, uh, there were only two statewide elected officials that stood up and said, I don't think this is a good idea. It was me and Senator John Kennedy. And then there were very few sheriffs even. Everybody kind of just hunkered down because the governor really wanted this. Uh, one of them was right here mm-hmm. in Cato, uh, Sheriff Steve Prater, who is just a stalwart, uh, who understands that you can't just let people out of jail. The goal should always be how do you keep people from going to jail? Mm-hmm. And so that commercial is designed to tell the people of this area that as their governor, public safety is paramount to me. Mm-hmm. And I take it seriously. But in the, the bill, but, in the bill you're talking about, opens access to victims and their families and the public to be able to look at the records, the court records uh, of a particular case. Is that correct? That's correct. And our hope is that look, we've been working with the clerks of court. We've got some great clerks all around the state, right here in Cato as well. Um, what we want to do because the Cato, Baton Rouge, and Orleans clerks all have electronic records. We want access. The Department of Justice wants access to those minute entries, to those court records, because remember, they're public filings. And the hope is, the the vision is, is that we want, want to be able to create an app, just like we did with, our, with the Child Predator app, right? The sex mm-hmm. offender app. But we want an app that victims can go in and say, this is my case. And they will get notifications of when there's an evidentiary hearing, when there's a bond hearing, you know, what, <clears throat> just so that they can keep up. Look, what we heard particularly down in Orleans, was that we had victims that said, hey, I want to participate in ensuring that the perpetrator, the person who inflicted damage and harm on me, I want to be able to testify against him. And the next thing they knew, they never called him, and the case was dismissed. Mm. Oh, boy. The the issue with regard to... Holding other people accountable, our DA, uh, sheriffs, whoever. My my question is how, I mean, they're elected officials. How would our governor hold them accountable? You said something about changing the laws, yeah. which would make mandates that they would have to follow? But, or Well, I mean, look, here's the thing. Again, the criminal justice system sits atop like a three-legged bar stool. <clears throat> and the top that you sit on is like the law, the criminal law, the code. The three legs are like the police, the prosecutors, and the judges. If any one of those one legs are weak, the system starts to break down. In in Treeport, what we hear, okay, what we're hearing, you got some great judges, you got great police officers, but it seems as though the prosecutors have been slipping, okay? In Baton Rouge, in Baton Rouge, what we hear is that it's the judges. Now in Orleans, it's the entire system. Okay, both the NOPD's been on a consent decree now since 2012, which has decimated NOPD. 
Starting the, with the mayor, by the way. Well, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> the destroyer. The mayor has yeah. sat on the bar suit and the whole thing has collapsed. But, but, uh, oh, oh, boy. Again, oh you're in trouble now. Uh, what I meant, Mo, but it's true. That leadership, right? You, you talk about the Absolutely. mayor. It comes from leadership, right? And, and, and look, let me say this. In all fairness to the mayor down in New Orleans, she joined me uh, in helping to try to remove the city of New Orleans from the consent decree that NOPD is under. So I, let's be fair. And it goes to show you we can work with anyone. Her and I can agree to disagree, and we can find ways where we can agree. She has. In all fairness, she's joined us, or we've joined her, to lift the city of New Orleans out from under that uh, consent decree. But again, when all three of those legs are not strong, the criminal justice system does not work. And what happens is that means that justice is not served. And we've talked about it earlier. As the governor, one of the first things we're going to do, the first thing we're going to do is call a special session on crime. Mm -hmm. And we are going to make sure that our code, okay, is able to put checks and balances on elected officials who are not doing their job. Can you hang with us for another segment? Sure. I want to talk about our teachers. Teachers, yeah. Okay. In studio with Jeff Landry, candidate for governor, Louisiana attorney general. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio with Jeff Landry, candidate for governor of Louisiana. Congratulations on your Trump endorsement. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Of course, endorsed by the Republican Party of Louisiana. Bozier mm-hmm. Parish, uh, Republican Parish. Yeah. Most important endorsement. We're looking for the people of the state on election yeah. day. Election day. That's October fourteenth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let me put that in my early calendar. voting. I think starts September thirtieth. <laughs> ask you a question about because i'm a little for me it's a little convoluted and, I, and if i don't understand it i know the regular folks don't well no no they're i'm pretty dumb as most people but this teacher pay issue that lawmakers the republican uh lawmakers decide to pay down the debt and then send the money to the school systems to give out the pay raises um sounds simplistic but i'm confused about how this is going to work why don't what in the state just give them pay raise Look, that's part of the entire problem with the state of Louisiana, and it's one of the reasons that I'm running for governor. When you look at where the economic growth is going on in this country, it's in what I call the SEC states, right? So it's easy for you to understand what states those are. And in every one of those states, and except you're not for talking Louisiana. securities and exchange commission. No, 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 no. That's why you really don't want to move. I think it's in New York. Yeah, yeah exactly. coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the SEC should be moved to the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, but in all of those states except Louisiana, there's an inward migration going on. Here we have an outward migration. More people leaving than coming in. If you look at the way we operate in this state, it is structurally deficient. Okay, we have structural problems with our government, starting with the way that we actually hold elections. I mean, look, the governor's elections, you know, what we've heard in the Republic, you talked about the Republican Party endorsement. That endorsement came because representatives who are elected by Republicans in Louisiana to represent Republicans said, we don't want to have a big food fight because there's only 14 days between October 14th. That's the primary in the general election, early voting. 
I mean, look, you can't get back together with your boyfriend or girlfriend in high school after, you know, 14, after you have a fight in 14 days. I mean, it mm -hmm. takes a little time for there to be some, some, you know, people have an opportunity to come together. So going back to your question, when you ask, well, why can't they do it this way? It's because we've got structural defects that don't allow the wheels of government to move easily. And everything seems to be concentrated in Baton Rouge. What, what our idea is, is how do we bring things back to the local level so that people in this state can hold their local officials accountable because they're closer to those officials. Mm -hmm. You see what's going on. It's one of the reasons that we spoke with a number of sheriffs talking about the juvenile problem, why regional mm -hmm. juvenile centers around the state should be run by sheriffs. Okay, by judges or DAs and like a board. Okay, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and we do it regionally instead of having the Office of Juvenile Justice, which has done a terrible job of being able uh, to detain and rehabilitate juveniles in the criminal justice system. So, again, that's why. Uh, and what we're hoping to do is to go into uh, our constitution and to our statutes and try to streamline those things so that they operate like other states. Uh, you've seen Mississippi make great strides. Arkansas, in fact, I was just up in Arkansas um, last week uh, visiting with the attorney general there who I went to Congress with, Tim Griffin, uh, with the governor, with the lieutenant governor who used to be the AG, uh, talking about some of the great things they just did in their first session on education, on mm -hmm. crime and other things. Um, and so that's why, uh, you know, and, and, until we get an opportunity to be governor, uh, you're going to remain confused. <laughs> There's a, I really am, and teachers are particularly. And even then after, probably, mm -hmm. for both of well, them. Well, no, I'm going to have to come over here and explain it <laughs> <Yeah>. to you. <laughs> There's, a, there's a lot of discussion in our community, and I think uh, North Louisiana lawmakers have now really joined forces, that we get, they get the brownies down in Baton Rouge and New Orleans, and we get the crumbs. And we're really upset about that. And I think they've joined the lawmakers from Monroe, from Alexandria, from Shreveport are joining forces to make sure that we're not being shortchanged as we have been because the legislature is, you know, many, many more of them are from South Louisiana. As a governor, can you help address that and help bring more? It seems like Louisiana stops at Alexandria. Yeah. It, from Baton Rouge. Well, Rouge's. some of the folks in Alexandria think it actually stops at I ten. Yeah, you know, it, well, that's look, a great point. I think that I think that when you look at the way that Louisiana, uh, from statehood or you know, or from the Louisiana Purchase, as it, if you just you go back to history and you see that's where how Louisiana was populated from the south up through the north, and of course with New Orleans, New Orleans up until Katrina still held. A tremendous amount of political clout in the capital because of the population center. Mm -hmm. Since that time, okay, as Orleans became depopulated and a lot of the state becomes depopulated, we just talked about it, mm -hmm. that political power structure starts to change. Uh, and so that's where you're seeing the ability of North Louisiana uh, legislators and central Louisiana legislatures having more clout down in Baton Rouge. I will tell you that I think that North Louisiana is really poised for great economic growth if we do the structural changes that mm -hmm. are needed for the entire state. Look, we've got some serious problems down in South Louisiana, okay, like – Homeowners insurance is out of control if you live below I-10. 
Okay, those things are things that we're going to have to tackle down there that are going to slow economic growth. Okay, up here, you don't have that problem. Certainly not as severe as you do down <clears throat> below I-10. So I look forward, okay, to concentrating on the industries that built North Louisiana, our agriculture industry, our oil and gas industry, um, <clears throat> the great cybersecurity centers and the things that are doing uh, in partnership with Barksdale. And then, and then using those industries and calling them and saying, how can we expand your footprint? And then letting everything become organic. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but again, it's, it's structural. It's right. big changes. One mm-hmm. last thing, which would be a big change. Let me see. And I don't know if I've ever asked you this or not. Would you as governor be in favor of doing away with our income tax or at least considering it? Well, here's the thing. I think we have to. Uh, we have to have some real, a real discussion. And put everything on the table about how we raise revenue and spend it in this state. Uh, look, I'll tell you something that many people probably don't know. For the last seven years, we have really never gotten a dime more out of the general fund to run the Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. For seven years, we have been running that office without asking the general fund for an additional nickel or dollar. And because we've been able to streamline that office, we've been able to empower our employees. Oh, oh but Jeff, our state budget was $29 billion when this governor took over. <laughs> and it's 40. $45 yeah. billion now. You're just going to make me, I'm going to throw up. But I'll come uh, back and we can talk about it. But look, those are things. just crazy. It is. It's, 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 well, look, it'd be great if we were getting $45 billion worth of services. Right, and, and we were number one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If our yeah. roads were great and That's our schools yeah. were educated was up top spend away governor right no i'm sorry well that's why you need a business person someone who's created jobs uh, someone who's done economic development Mm -hmm. someone who has signed both sides of a paycheck to run this state yeah jeff landry attorney general candidate for governor thanks for coming in we certainly appreciate you well thank you don't forget go to (laughs) jefflandry.com thanks michael mccarthy One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, and coming up in studio we've got Dr. Martha White and uh Fiamula Bradley, if I said that right, is gonna join us in studio talking about the uh proposition in front of the city council to lift the smoking ban in casinos. We'll find out what's going on next, Mike and McCarty. One oh one seven FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. All right, I'm going to see if I get this correct. You're First not. Of all, I know I'm not. Uh, Dr. Martha White, uh, health director. Is that correct? Regional Medical Director for That's Public a, Health. See, I told you. Larry, Queen. First, first one. <laughs> yeah. Regional Medical Director, uh, basically North Louisiana. Um, and then also Fiamula, did I get that right? You did. Fiamula wow. Bradley. She's with the Louisiana campaign uh, for uh, smoke-free, tobacco-free living. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're joining us because there's a proposition by our Shreveport City Council that you have to ask why now, all of a sudden, to lift the ban on smoking in uh Casinos mm-hmm. in Shreveport, mm-hmm. in Caddo Parish. Did Martha? Did we ever think we'd be fighting this fight again? 
No, we really thought it was a dead issue. Mm -hmm. And um, we're so proud of the city council for keeping, you know, making a promise, keeping that promise. And now here we are. Famula Bradley, tobacco free living. I, I gamble a little bit. Not a lot. Every now, I know a lot of the dealers, a lot of the people that work in the casinos. They will tell you, mano a mano or woman o mano woman o, <laughs> that they don't want people sitting at their table smoking. You obviously hear that, but they can't come out and say that because they're fear of their jobs. Absolutely. We uh, unfortunately, this is Louisiana, and we live in an at will state. So of course, there are no protections. There are no. Um, uh, there are no unions to protect them. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they're uncomfortable, fear of retribution or retaliation. Uh, those same protections that they don't have are the same kinds of protections that the city council is proposing to rid them of. Um, this is a sad day. And so we're hoping uh, that the city council will certainly rethink this. Um, we have certainly provided them. We have educated them. We have provided them with credible data data. Mm -hmm. Um, We have provided them with testimonials um, from individuals, of of course, you know, experts like Dr. White and other medical professionals. Um, We have given them everything they need to substantiate why this should not happen. And we did that um, when we were passing it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So we're back, you know, d- back doing it again. We, we, we've had that talk about the casino revenue. And at the end of the day, we've given them that data as well. Mm-hmm. And so we are here to say, keep your promise. Yeah. Not one of those councilmen uh, or councilwomen, um, you know, when they were campaigning said, we're going to make decisions that are going to hurt you. Right. We're going to make decisions that's going to put your life. It was, we want a better Shreveport. Mm-hmm. We want to improve the economy. We want to look at economic development. We want to make sure that we bring business and industry in so that we can grow. Shouldn't it be about the health and safety of absolutely. the citizens? Shouldn't that be their priority? Absolutely. I well, mean, what what the, industry want, will want to come to Shreveport when you're not protected, when you don't have safe workplaces, mm-hmm. workspaces? And last time, the casino executives had to admit that they do not allow smoking in their offices. But they have that right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these same people who are bringing this forward are the same people that voted for it before. And so, again, we're just really wanting them to keep their promise to their constituents that they made when they passed it and allow these people. There is no doubt that secondhand smoke is dangerous. There's nothing that you can say mm-hmm. to... Um, well, it's unfiltered smoke right? that mm-hmm. we're breathing in. Right. right. The the what do you think the motivation is? I want y'all to be honest here today. Um, there's only three people listening. Pretend like that, okay? <laughs> what what's the motivation behind this? You know, I want to think that perhaps you know whether it's political pressure, whether it's pressure from the casino industry from a business standpoint. You know, we're here today to talk about the fact that it should be people over business, uh, business interest. Um, you know, of course, people are in business to make money, but of course, the data shows that the casino industry—they're hiring. You know, mm-hmm. let's just let's just go there. They're hiring, so obviously they're not hurting. Right. Um, at the end of the day. 
this is a, a, a public health issue. This is an issue about making sure that um, people's lives are protected, making sure that they are, there's equity and equality in workspaces. If we were to go to the city council meeting and sit in the chambers and light up cigarettes, they would first ask us to put them out. Mm -hmm. And if we refuse, they would escort us out. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, if it's not okay to smoke, because why there is a law that says that you cannot do it. Mm -hmm. There is a law that now on the books that says you cannot smoke inside of a casino Mm -hmm. um, because there is protection there. There's protections for workers and for patrons. So why, if you cannot do it in the uh, casino executive offices, if you cannot do it in the council chamber, why would you consider bringing it back after you've given your word and you have protected those folks for over a year. They have enjoyed working in a smoke-free workspace. They have, um, you know, given an opportunity for their health to be improved and perhaps even restored in some instances. And now you want to walk it back? The, mm-hmm. the smoking ban went into effect in 2021? August it's of 21. 2021. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, again, it begs the question, why now? Why is this attempt to reverse it? Uh, who, also, who was it came in that said, follow the money? Mm-hmm. Let's also put out there that, no, I just lost my train of thought, <laughs> that we would be the only municipality in the country, in the country, mm-hmm. to ever repeal a smoke free ordinance. What a mark on the, the city of Shreveport. Mm-hmm. We are trying to improve the country's impression of our city. Let me, let me ask y'all this, cause here's the, here's the real elephant in the room. Um, are we pushing Bozier to do the same? If Bozier did the same, then this would go away. This issue would go away. Shreveport would go, okay, we're all on equal playing field. You don't just have to cross the river and light up and gamble. Um, where are we on getting Bozier to take this similar action? Well, Erin, initially when we approached Shreveport, of course, we had that discussion with Bozier. At that, at that particular time, they shared that they were not ready to make that move. Here is what I say about that. Two separate municipalities, two separate entities. Even if Bozier's not ready to do it, it still does not give Shreveport to right, the right to walk back and put their citizens, the folks that their constituency, that they're responsible for providing good governance for, uh, it's not, it doesn't give them the right to walk it back and put them in harm's way. And, and let's say that we, we want every municipality to put these smoke-free ordinances in place you know it's not just the casinos it's also bars you know Mm -hmm. this lady travels all over Mm -hmm. north louisiana working with um even you know from small villages all the way to bigger cities trying to um pass these ordinances and has accomplished a lot in in her time working with us so you know it it is a push that we want bozier to make that Mm -hmm. step it you know Bozier has their reasons. We're going to keep pushing, but, but we don't want to take the step it, back and Shreveport. That they're going to also enact a smoke-free environment? Well, the, the, you know, they're hesitant, and we're going to keep, you know, we keep pushing, and y'all keep pushing. Mm-hmm. You keep bringing it up and saying, why are you not caring about your employees? Because this is really about the employee that doesn't have a choice. They're, they're, you know, making minimum wage or maybe a little bit over. They, they can be fired at will and they get stuck in a place where people are blowing smoke in their face 20, you know, their entire shift. 
what demographic are we talking? I mean, let's be let's cut right to the chase. These are young people, many of them black women, yes, who are working at these casinos. I see them when I go. This is the demographic we're talking about for the most part, right? Correct. And oddly enough, the entities at this time that are proposing to, you know, repeal um, look just like the people that they're um, that's actually working in these facilities that are working in the casinos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dr. White, you said something a moment ago how, you know, we work hard, we fight for this, we advocate, we educate. Uh, and at the end of the day, while we do it and while you all do it by sharing, you know, the news and, and putting the facts out there, it's also important for the community to step up and for them to, to you know, really use their voices and say, this is what we want. Because 75% of us don't smoke. Absolutely. And I would like to go play blackjack or play poker and not have your smoke flow over to me. And where's the advertisement that that advertises to you, to the people who don't smoke, hey, we are smoke-free in Mm -hmm. Shreveport. Come enjoy gambling here. Well, Aaron brought that point up the other day. There, you were in another market. Yes, and, and I saw, saw huge, huge billboards. Billboards, right? Smoke-free casino environment. Come join us. Come play in a smoke-free environment. Right, and we think they don't want to advertise because right now they want to try to scare us and say they're going to leave our market. They're not leaving our market. They have too much invested here. Mm-hmm. They're they're well entrenched in our community, and if they leave our market, it won't be because they went smoke. Trust me, another gambling casino will come because those licenses are so valuable. We'll have another one behind them. And here's one thing that we know. We know that the trend is um, ideally um, that when uh, casinos go smoke-free, oftentimes, and sometimes this happens even across the country, they will opt to or choose not to advertise uh, for a season, just so that there's that look, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and of course, we, we're accustomed to those kinds of things, but again, we know that the casino industry certainly is not hurting. They are hiring, uh, in our area as we speak. They mm-hmm. have a- active advertisements out hiring. Um, and so we just say, do the right thing. Keep your promise. Protect those workers and patrons. Uh, again, there's an opportunity, you know, any business, um, it's do your due diligence. If you want to stay relevant, if you want, you know, blinking lights, if you want to attract people, you advertise. Mm-hmm. You make sure that people know you are the greatest thing out there mm-hmm. so that people will patronize your business. When you don't do that, when you pull back, then at that point, you know, you, 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 you create a, an aura that, you know, hey, um, maybe we, maybe things aren't as well. But again, you know, the numbers speak for itself. We yeah. have the data. We've shared the data. And right. the data speaks for itself. So we know uh, where the casino industry stands. And we are here to educate individuals and let them know. Mm-hmm. Last 30 seconds. Y'all want people to pack the city council meeting, correct? Come. Okay. Speak out. Monday work session, Tuesday's the meeting. Absolutely. Monday there's going to be a press conference um, at 2 o'clock at um, Government Plaza. And, of course, just before the council meeting at 2 o'clock, same time, same place, there's going to be a rally. All at Government Plaza, 2 o'clock on Monday and 2 o'clock at Tuesday. Bring your cigarettes. We'll smoke inside. <laughs> Dr. Martha White, FM Eli Bradley, thank you for both for coming in this morning. Thank you. Thank you. thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Eric. Mike and McCarthy.
1017 FM 710 Kiel, Mike and McCarty. There's a, a fundraiser coming up for Bossier City police officer injured in the shooting, Kenny Gallen. Mm-hmm. That's going to be happening today from 11 to 1 um, at the police station right there on Benton Road. They're going to be in, in cooking uh, hamburgers and the whole, you know, all the fixings. Uh, come through, get your meal. It's going to be, it's kind of a worthy donation. Whatever you want to give. All the funds are going to go to Officer Gallon and his family. Again, that's today from 11 to 1, 620 Benton Road, right in front of the police department. John Howe, saxophone saxophone player with A-Train, going to join us next hour, Mike and McCarty. 1017 FM, 710 Keel. One seven FM, seven ten. Keel, Mike, and McCarty. Earlier this week, we spoke with uh, Terry Matthews, director at Mudbug Madness. There's kind of a kerfuffle. They uh, they've got a special night going on uh, Thursday night. It's called Mudbug Rewind, and they advertised uh, reunion of A Train mm-hmm. along with the Crawdads and the Boomers. A lot of excitement in our local community. Uh, people. Remember A-Train from the, going back to the late 70s into the 80s, one of the most popular local bands around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they ended up scheduling a private party coming up this Saturday night. And Mudbug Madness found out and canceled A-Train's contract. Mm-hmm. We got John Howe on the phone, saxophone player for A-Train. John, good morning. Good morning to you guys. So tell me from from your perspective, what happened? Uh, I would say a great deal of silliness. Um, we booked the party with Mudbug, and uh, they discussed terms, and people put it in the contract. and So they sent us a contract, so we signed it. and um, And then subsequently... We got a call from some other folks, some of whom we knew, and said, hey, look, we want to do a private party uh, on the 20th. And uh, we said, well, that that sounds cool. First, we looked at the contract with Mudbug, examined it real closely, and realized that there was nothing in the contract that precluded plan that private party so we, we went ahead and booked it they had originally asked about um you know bruce actually said to him well do we want to do it after the mud bug well the only dates were either saturday or sunday and uh and he decided not to do that because he didn't want people that would you know possibly be going to the private party not to be available to go to the Mudbug Fest. Okay. And so what, we what, do, do does it, it sound, does, John, does it sound, some are saying, well, ethically, the, it was going to be a reunion show and y'all are preempting what would have been the reunion show for Mudbug. Um, well, how do you respond to that? Well, I don't know. Maybe they don't really understand what a reunion is. 
uh, I mean, we haven't played in four or five years. We were all getting together and, and uh, uh, to play again. That actually, to me, sounds like the definition of a reunion. Plus, also, you know, that gave us two more, two more rehearsals and a live gig to uh, kind of tighten the ship up a little bit. So, come Thursday night, it'd be a better act. Do you think they overreacted? Uh, wildly. Really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, it seems it sure seems to me, but uh, I don't know. This it's a very uh, it's a very childish situation, in my opinion. Uh, uh, we didn't we didn't book something else to uh, to take away from the Mudbug Fest. We're just having another party, and you know, in the past, uh, in the past, there were times when we would be booked at Humphreys for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Play the Mudbug Fest on one of those days, and then say, "Hey, come on down to Humphreys," and both places would be packed. Mm-hmm. And we didn't we didn't lose any any uh, customers or clients or fans, except perhaps the kids that couldn't go to a bar. How big is the private so, party? I'm hearing from 300 people. I mean, what what are y'all planning well, for? Probably, my guess is somewhere between two and 300 people. I don't really know. I'm not privy to how many invitations they sent out, but not a, not a huge number. Uh, it's, I think it's at the, um, the garage. It's yes. the Remington, yeah, Remington Suite Garage. Uh, yeah, I'm looking in forward downtown to seeing it. I hear it's really nice. Was it a, and, was know, that even a big payday for you guys? Uh, yeah, the money was good. Okay. It was a better payday than we already had, but, uh, you know, we're looking at it like everybody's in town. Let's do it again. And uh, and by the time the 25th gets here, we'll have had three more, well, like I said, two rehearsals and a performance under our belt to have a better show. There are those that say that because it's a private party, if, if nothing was said, uh, most of the people wouldn't have even realized you guys were playing the Saturday night before and it wouldn't affect, uh, the Mudbug performance, you know, Mudbug Madness crowd. But since that's happened, but then there are also people saying, you know what? It's, you, you shouldn't have taken that gig. This was billed as a reunion concert and, and this should be, you know, their first performance. How, how would you address well, those? Uh, I would say if uh, the part of the uh, agreement talking to the people at the private party was that they not advertise this on social media because there's no point. It's a private party. I mean, if, you, if you're you going to have 20 people come over to your house, you know, you don't put something in the forum saying, hey, guess what? 20 people are coming to my house. Mm-hmm. You just have your party. Uh it's it's a reunion. I mean, when people get together after a long time, it's a reunion. What I get, what I, I feel is that uh, they're just we're just being told. Well, if we don't get it first, then it's not a reunion. So first, let us define reunion and tell you what it is. Could and, y'all have moved the show if if they'd asked you, "Hey, can you move it after the show?" They they say you guys ghosted them that they never heard back from you that you, you know they said hey you need to move the show um, is is that accurate or not? 
there's a certain amount of that, but uh, we also, I mean, the last conversation I had with Terry, she said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, we're going to do what we agreed to do. We're going to honor both these contracts. I mean, we've entered into both these contracts. They're legally binding documents. There's nothing in either contract that prohibits or excludes doing anything else. And uh, and our intention is to live up to both of these contracts, which is our obligation. And in my opinion, should be your obligation. You're going to sue Mudbug? Are you going to sue Mudbug? Oh, I I don't know. I don't. Who wants to sue anybody if they don't have to? Mm-hmm. Uh, that that just seems that just seems so small and ridiculous. Going to return their and, deposit uh, though? No, because if they would look at their own contract again, they would note that in the contract it says non-refundable deposit. Okay. So uh, we went. Terry acts like she's the only one, and Mudbug's the only people that went through any uh, any expense or time to make this happen. Well, there's there's six people on our side, you know, in our band that went to time, went to a great deal of time and trouble, and Bruce went to a great deal of time and trouble and a certain amount of expense to to uh, get all this negotiated and set up in the first place. And the way I see it is. Everybody that I'm aware of uh, was dying to go to Mudbug to hear us. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's a party. It's a chance to it's a chance to to uh, get together with maybe a couple of thousand of your friends and have a good time. Which I kind of thought that's what Mudbug was about. I mean, if if Terry thinks that two or three hundred people are so many people that Mudbug is not going to have a good crowd, then I don't think she has a whole lot of confidence in Mudbug. Talking with John Howe, uh, A-Train saxophone player. John, it's an unfortunate situation. A lot of people are disappointed. It sure is. And uh, we thank you for talking with us this morning. I appreciate you uh, uh, joining us on the show. Absolutely. Have a great show. uh, Before you go, Aaron, I just want to say thanks for putting up those videos on the website. That was real nice. I I hadn't seen some of those in a while myself. You bet. Go see them right now, 710keel.com. Thank you so much, John. All right. 101.7 FM, 710. One oh one seven FM seven ten key. Mike and McCarty. Coming up, uh, there's a fundraiser for the Bossier City police officer who was shot four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one bullet went through both legs at one point. Yeah, though. Gosh. Uh, g- good gravy. Uh, Kenny uh, Gallon, mm-hmm. a Bossier City officer, during that. Um, altercation at the Waffle House parking lot. Is that Valero. what it was? That's what I said, Valero. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a fundraiser coming up for him. It's today from 11 to 1, uh, sponsored by the Bossier City Fraternal Order of Police Lodge number 39. Thanks, folks. They're going to do hamburgers, all the trimmings. It's today from 11 to 1, 620 Benton Road, right in front of the police department. All the proceeds will be going to the um, Gallon family. It's a... Uh, Whatever you can donate. I mean, they don't have a price on it. Meals are going to have a burger, chips, and a drink. 
and the cost is whatever you feel is a worthy donation. You want to give them 100 bucks for your burger? They would appreciate it. 10 bucks, it'll work too. However, you can help the Gallon family. They're going to need a lot of help. He's on the mend. He's going to have some medical expenses. Lots of other things, too, that the family will be facing. Shree, uh, speaking of police officers, uh, local attorney Dew Thompson joined us earlier this morning after the ruling that the uh, three Shreveport police officers were found not guilty of violating civil rights. We'll talk to him coming up after the break. Mike and McCarty, 101.7. Seven FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. You might remember uh, three Shreveport uh, police officers. Actually, technically, they're former Shreveport police officers mm-hmm. accused of using excessive force. Um, William Eisenhower, DeAndre Jackson, and Travion Brooks uh, accused of violating the civil rights of Chico Bell and Damon Robinson. This was during a traffic stop back in 2020. Uh, They were indicted by a federal grand jury a year later, uh, but the DA decided not to pursue state charges. On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Duke Thompson is joining us. Duke, good morning, sir. Thanks for uh, getting up early for us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. The uh, federal, uh, federal court decided to find them, it was a jury, I assume, not guilty of um, violating the civil rights of excessive force. What was the actual charge they were facing in federal courts? The actual charge they were facing was uh, deprivation of civil rights. And it's a federal felony statute. And it's basically saying that they willfully uh, deprive the suspect of their constitutional rights by using excessive force against them during their arrest. Do I've seen the the video of the uh, probably I'm going to tell you I've probably seen parts of it. You're going to tell me I'm absolutely right. I see the officers rush up to the passenger side of the vehicle and start swinging, start hitting in punching into the window. Um that to me just as a layperson didn't seem justified. Explain to me why that was done. Absolutely. And uh, look, any use of force videos, even if it's justified, always looks bad to a layperson. And so that's where our jobs come in to actually explain punch by punch and factor by factor on why the officer did what they did. And you got to remember that leading up to this stop and when the officer encounters the passenger, these individuals led them on a 10-minute high-speed chase through residential uh, neighborhoods, driving in speeds in excess of 90 miles an hour. They're throwing drugs out the window. And any time officers see drugs in that type of quantity, they reasonably infer that, and they're taught that weapons may be associated with this type of narcotics activity. So why run up to the window and start punching? You follow me? Well, Well, at the time that they did the traffic stop, there was a civilian vehicle right in front of Chico Bell's vehicle. So that presents an extreme danger to that civilian who was a mother and a small child. Mm-hmm. And when my client, who's the uh, officer running up to the passenger window, 
runs up, even though uh, Robinson had his hands out the window, once the female officer in the video tries to grab his wrist, he pulls back from her, and then my client, when he pulled from his wrist, pulls back onto him. Okay. That teaches an officer in a split second that that suspect could be reaching back into his vehicle to grab a gun, and officers can be shot and killed in a split second. And my my officer, again, who had to make a split-second decision, started implementing those strikes, which they're taught to do that at the academy. So everything he did was consistent with his training. And so while it may look bad on the video, he's trying to uh, subdue that individual uh, with paying compliance strikes into having him keep his hands back up. And so one thing that people have to remember that with those videos, those do not show the perception of the officer. Mm-hmm. Those videos can never capture a suspect pulling his arms back in or if the officer grabs his wrist, feeling the tenseness or rigidness in his arm when he's pulling back. Those are the things that the officers see, and they have to make that split-second decision. We're talking with Dew Thompson, Shreveport attorney. Uh, Dew, as someone who has been involved in high-speed chases like that, I can tell you, the you know, at that point especially – 10 minutes is a long time to be driving at a high rate of speed. Your adrenaline dumps, and you, you've got to make decisions. And like you say, the officers, policing, as a general rule, isn't pretty. Uh, a lot of suspects don't respond. If you're polite and, you know, kind, if, if, if that makes any sense, they don't respond to that. They don't. They don't respect that. You have to. You have to get to their level before you can control a situation. That, that's correct. And look, there's so many videos out there that show uh, suspects that lure police to the vehicle with their hands out, and then as soon as the police get there, in one last act of depra- de- uh, desperation, they shoot the officers. So the officers always have to be aware of that. And so, with everything that led up to the chase, with the drugs being thrown out, there were times where they almost bailed out of the vehicle. And even with the stop itself, the brake lights were still on, which showed the vehicle was still running. So the officers uh, could reasonably infer that these guys, while they had their hands out, and that's one level of starting to submit, it's not 100% total compliance yet because, once again, those factors of being shot or taken off are still present. Do let me ask you these office these officers. No, I'm not saying every traffic stop goes bad. Right. I'm saying you have to approach that with utmost caution and respect. I got you. I understand that well, your point. Let me ask I, you I the, these officers, are they going to ask for their job back? Well, uh, my my client Which is one is your client? client? It's Travion Brooks. Okay. And a lifelong resident of Shreveport. He's born and raised here. He went to uh, Booker City High School. And he, since he was little, he's always wanted to serve the community as a police officer. And he has indicated to me that he does want his job back. He wants to protect and serve. That's all he's wanted to do. So I'm hoping that the administration will consider hiring him back. Will he have to go to the Civil Service Board, or, or can the chief just make that decision? Uh, it's my appreciation the chief can just make that decision. And he's due his back pay, everything, you know, as if he's been on the force the whole time? I think he's going to seek those remedies. Okay. Will there be That's any other charges clear. they could face? Do you, do you, do you, as you understand it, the DA is not planning to come back and take another look at this case? 
it, it's my appreciation. You know, once the state charges were dismissed, that was a deferment to the federal court and the federal prosecution. Now that they've been acquitted in federal court, I think that's a declaration across the board that they did nothing wrong. They were cleared by internal affairs. The DA's office has dismissed the charges, and now a federal jury has basically said they didn't do anything wrong. So I'm hoping this is the end of it. And your message to citizens in Shreveport who are still upset about it, who still think police are getting away with uh, something they shouldn't have done, what is your message to that to that element in our community? Well, again, you know, I, I think the whole community has to remember that these officers are out there protecting us when we sleep at night. They protect our property. They protect our person. And they're the only line of defense between good citizens and uh, violent criminals out there in the community. And to that effect, they do a tough job and they put their life on the line every night they go out on patrol. So while I'm so happy for Travion and this is his verdict, uh, it's also a verdict in support of the Shreveport Police Department. It's a verdict that says we support you. And I think that's the, that's what the community needs to understand that once again, some of these videos, while they look bad, any use of force video, even if it's justified, will look bad. But if people can analyze and look and see what led up to the incident and why the officers did what they did, I think everybody in the community would come to the same conclusion that these reasonable jurors came to. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. So disappointing. Um <laughs> the whole train thing. I'm gonna try to see if I can sneak in the party. Oh, are you going to the party? <laughs> I think I am. Oh nice. I actually got a call yesterday. Mm-hmm. The guy sent me an invite, so yeah, I got something like similar to that too. But I have a um I have a previous engagement tomorrow evening and I can't say anything about it yet. What? Um, I just, I'm going to, what is your cell number? I need to write it on my hand in Sharpie, just in case. <laughs> oh, to, for your for your emergency contact? Yeah, bail money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking, how was the anniversary, by the way? We never did get to that. Not good? No. we. I, she kicked you to the curb? We, we had to take one of our dogs oh, to the vet yeah. yesterday afternoon, and it doesn't look good oh no and we had reservations for two johns oh sweet and and i and i called her and i said can we can we i don't want to waste this yeah you know nice night out Mm -hmm. i said i'm not up to it she said i'm glad you said that because i don't feel like going either oh you have a horrible day yeah so our our dog is still at the vet we had to leave her there overnight oh so so you're not feeling it i'm not feeling it i know so do it on a night when you're happy and, Absolutely. and everything's fun. And, yeah, and we will. Well, we I'll keep will. your pooch. Which pooch is this? Her name is Lola. Lola. I'll keep Lola yeah. in my prayers this weekend. I hope it goes well. Thank you. I know. Oh, it's I, it's, tough. It's, it's I know people, some people go, just a dog. No, uh, they're family members. They're man. family I lost members, my yeah. basset hound, not, what, six months ago. I know. I know. And this is like the same thing. She has a... Uh, Oh gosh! Anyway, I don't, well, I'm, don't mean to bring that up and end on a yeah, downer. My gosh! Well, have fun I'm sorry. at the show tomorrow night. Now, don't. I know I'm going to go see A Train. Don't break a hip dancing. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. That you won't have to worry All about. All right. Be careful. Have a great weekend. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM 7.